You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, Mason Appleton resigns for three years. Plus TSN's left wing, right wing, and center rankings across the NHL. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, good to be back, everybody. Apologies for the time off between episodes, but uh, yeah, the combo of, we'll, we'll call it parenthood and sickness, and then uh, just, just life in general had me sidelined last week. It was just a little too much for me to handle, but we're getting back at it right now, and like I said, good to be back and talking a little bit of hockey, and... What do you know talking about an actual move made by the Winnipeg Jets? An actual move. They went ahead and did something. I mean, they were semi-forced into it because you're signing an RFA under team control. But damn it, we'll take what we can get. And that's Mason Appleton getting a three-year deal from the Winnipeg Jets worth $2.1 million per season. That leaves just one RFA to go. And David Gustafson, who remains unsigned, but other than that, the Jets have a full roster going into next year. I I still can't believe they'll go into the year with that exact group, but they could if they wanted to. But I don't really want to get into the, the negativity of that. Let's talk some Appleton here. Not only the best spice drum out there, also a longtime bottom six favorite forward of mine. I've always liked Mason Appleton's game a ton. You know, the production isn't necessarily mind-blowing or anything like that, but, you know, for a team that's got a ton of question marks in the bottom six this year, for me, at the very least, he's a dependable contributor that can be relied on on that third line to be an effective player, to be somebody that can chip in offensively and not just be out there as part of a trio that's difficult to score against. And I, I think there's the potential for a little bit more with Mason Appleton as well. I, I think he might be a pretty damn good support piece up in one of the top two lines, a la what we saw with Evgeny Svechnikov, you know, for, for long stretches of time last year, specifically with Dubois and Connor, where he can do some of the dirty work with some skilled players beside him, 
and deliver and, and be able to contribute and allow you to spread your wealth throughout your lineup. I mean, at the very, very least with Appleton, we're talking about a good third line guy. That's not necessarily something that moves the needle for a lot of teams in the NHL, but for the Winnipeg Jets, they desperately need one of those guys and, and probably you know one or two more of those guys for this upcoming season. And Appleton definitely gives you that. And you know he's great on the four check, pretty solid release too. He could probably score fifteen ish goals for you throughout the course of eighty two games, and he plays with the penalty kill as well. I I, I don't know. I, I just think this deal's a home run. Just over two mil per season for three years through his late 20s for a late bloomer. It's an Andrew Cobb light replacement, right? Somebody that you know can play well beside Adam Lowry. I, I just think this is a low-risk, high-reward type deal for the Winnipeg Jets. And Chevy's taken a lot of heat from me with the lack of moves this offseason. And it's been a pretty, pretty ugly past few months for the Winnipeg Jets as an organization. But I'll give credit where credit's due. The trade for Mason Appleton from Seattle at last year's deadline for just a mid-round pick is one of Kevin Chevalier's savvier pickups. Love the trade then. Love it even more now. It's it's becoming even, even more of an absolute must. And that's kind of the other thing about this, too. You know, I, I did see some people complain, oh, you know, maybe it was a bit too high in the salary per season. Why are you committing so much term instead of doing a one or a two-year deal instead for a guy that, you know, struggled and, and really has only had one, you know, for him, major breakout season at the NHL level? Well, this offseason is kind of a good example of why you want to lock down somebody like that and have them knowing that you have them in the fold for a few more seasons. Because, let's not forget, Danton Heinen offered a ton of money relatively by the Winnipeg Jets. He spurns the Jets and sticks in Pittsburgh. Kelly Yarncroke was a target by the Winnipeg Jets, offered, by the sounds of it, a little more money than what he ended up getting. Instead, he moves over to Toronto. I mean, the Jets have not been shy so far this offseason in both talking and attempting to find some help inside their middle six. And it's been difficult for them because a lot of those players will have similar dollar options and they'll just flat out choose to play in a much more desirable location than Winnipeg. But if you can get somebody like Mason Appleton, who I think is a similar-ish player to to both Hyden and Yarncroke in, in terms of a statistical profile, right? If you can lock that guy up for three years... And it's through the rest of his 20s. I just don't see a whole lot of downside to that. So I'm looking forward to seeing Appleton get in a full 82 games with the Jets this season. As far as what to expect and what production could potentially look like. Maybe I'm more bullish on Appleton than a lot of people. But for me, I'm I'm kind of expecting 15 and 15. 15 goals, 15 assists, 30 points in 82 games. I think that would be... I think I think there's not really a whole lot of complaining going around in Jets Nation if Appleton puts up 30 points in 82 games this season. He was on pace for a little bit more than that in his a season cut short, but his first full season with the Winnipeg Jets playing beside Lowry and Cop. So we know that he has shown the capability 
to perform like that. I don't think he's necessarily going to reach those heights, but I think 30 points this upcoming season is a reasonable get for him, and, and maybe maybe it goes a little bit above that if he gets some support time inside the top six as well. Now, we'll keep the forward talk going here. We'll switch gears just a little bit, and we'll move on from the lone move made by the Winnipeg Jets in quite some time to a look more league-wide with some off-season action from the folks over at TSN these past few weeks or so. And I thought we could dive into that for the rest of the episode here since we don't have a whole lot more to talk about, even though we got seven minutes on Amazing Appleton. But Travis Yost, the analytical NHL writer for TSN, came up with a tiered ranking of forward groups in the NHL. So left wing, right wing, and center. And we're actually going to start our positional ranking to see where the Jets sit starting next week. That's forward D, goalie, etc., etc. But for now, we'll just take a look a little more micro and see where the Jets rank at the three forward spots, according to Travis Yost in TSN. Now, the five tiers in this specific ranking system are elite, outperforming, solid or average, underperforming, and in trouble. So not a 1 through 31 ranking, but just you find yourself in one of those five tiers. Pretty simple, right? Now, where do the Jets sit in each of those tiers? And I wonder where fans, well, at least what their initial expectations on an article or on a list like this might be. Because I think fans might be a tad surprised or not. But the Jets, in those three forward spots, earn themselves two solids and an in trouble. In trouble! The worst one! That's Coyote's territory! So how do they find... How, how does the formerly vaunted Winnipeg Jets forward group find themselves with essentially a couple of averages and a failing grade here? We'll get to that right away. But before we do that, let's give... A quick shout-out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, where the action never ends all off-season, especially in the summer as well. And a new deal to heat you up in the dog days of August as well, where new customers can put a risk-free bet of up to $1,000 down. Not too shabby, eh? That's some pretty solid stuff from our guys over at DK. And all the major action that can be thrown down on right now with baseball, golf, and MMA in full swing. Especially with the majors as the pennant races start to heat up quickly here. By the way, if you want to sprinkle in and, and maybe put down some action on one of those 1K bets, I actually like the Blue Jays both Tuesday and Wednesday to take down... The Baltimore Orioles as the Bluebirds look to solidify their wildcard spot. And a reminder, too, that DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable as well. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, so 
TSN's tiered rankings list for forward groups in the NHL. Two solids and a, what was it, terrible? In trouble. In, in trouble sounds worse than terrible. Two averages and an in trouble for the Winnipeg Jets. And I mean, it, it really should be no surprise which positions get which grades, right? Because despite all the turmoil around the center position this offseason for the Winnipeg Jets, and despite some regression from certain players down the middle, I don't think anybody is going to look at what the Jets have and go, that's an in-trouble group of forwards, so we don't have to worry about that. And then out on the left wing, you have a potential 50-goal, 100-point man who might not even be the best left winger on the team still with Nikolai Ehlers right behind Kyle Connor there. I think it's safe to say that, yeah, you know what, left wing isn't going to be a spot in trouble for the Winnipeg Jets. So pretty obvious to see the Jets get a solid in centerman, a solid in left winger, which is surprising. We'll get to that in just a sec. And an in trouble out there on the right wing. So let's start with the right wing side then, because when I initially first thought about who the Jets have there and where they might rank league-wide, my my initial thought process was that, you know what, it's, it's not going to be overly optimistic, but I, I didn't necessarily think it was going to be the worst of the worst. But then you take a look at what the Winnipeg Jets have, and then you take a look at, even if you wanted to just, you know, limit it to the teams that are in Tier 4 and Tier 5 here, what, what's kind of alarming is that there's not a lot of these right-wing groups that you would take the Winnipeg Jets ahead of right now. I mean, the worst of the worst is is San Jose's right-wing depth chart. They're the only other team besides the Winnipeg Jets that are in the fifth tier, the in-trouble tier. And that's not really surprising when your number one right-winger is Alex Barabanov. But then even when you take a look at the fourth tier in the underperform category, and, and you might say, you know what, the Jets have... While he's not the guy he once was, they still have Blake Wheeler, who's just about a point-of-game guy. They they have Cole Perfetti, who's a potential breakout candidate, which Yost actually mentions in the article. Mason Appleton's a solid third-line guy. Christian Reichel is, you know, kind of an unknown at the fourth line there. But you look at the group the Jets have, and you might say to yourself, I could understand somebody saying to themselves, this isn't amongst the worst in the NHL. There's, there's just no way. But you look at the teams that are above them in the next tier, and I don't know how many right-wing rosters you'd swap out in place of the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, for me, Arizona's worse than what Winnipeg has. Schmaltz, Travis Boyd, Christian Fisher, Zach Cassian. 100% give me Winnipeg's over Arizona. But even then, that just puts the Jets as the third-worst right-wing group in the NHL. And looking at the teams that are above them there, you have Calgary, Montreal, the two New York teams, Columbus and Detroit. I mean, to me, the only ones that are even arguable would be Calgary's with Toffoli, Coleman, Dubé, and Lewis, or the New York Rangers with Lafreniere, Kako, Sammy Blaze, and Ryan Reeves. And, and at least the Rangers can bank on you know, a couple of number one and number two overall draft picks finding their way in their early 20s. But, man, I, I don't know. You look at these groups here, and to, to me, 
the, the the most optimistic person would put the Jets in the fourth tier, but they would still be arguably the the fifth weakest group in the entire NHL. I, I just don't know how you could put them much higher than that. And that's what's kind of neat about this exercise for me is that, you know, the tiers make it a little clearer as to where different groups stand across the NHL. And you know what? You could say underperform, you could say in trouble. The Winnipeg Jets going into this season, as it stands right now, are in a bit of trouble when it comes to the right side of their forward group. There, there needs to be an injection of talent big time. Big, big, big time. Maybe not going into this season. That that might be a little bit too far-fetched at this point. But definitely an area of concern for the franchise moving forward. And, and maybe a spot to uh, keep an eye on for the upcoming you know, next few drafts here, even if Cole Perfetti steps up and has himself a big campaign. Now, things get a lot rosier when we start to talk about the left-wing tiers in the NHL. No need to worry about in trouble here when you have Cal Connor and Nikolai Ehlers, but I think Jets fans might be surprised to see that they only find themselves in, in Tier 3 or the solid average tier. And out of the three positions and where the Jets are put in each of these articles, this is the one I have my biggest complaint with. I, I'm I'm sorry. I just I, <laughs> look. I, I get depth wise, the Jets maybe don't have a super experienced third and fourth line left winger as it stands right now. Although there is some potential to be had there with some of the youngsters this team has. If you got Cal Carter and Nikolai Ehlers on the left side, I'm sorry. You're a no doubt about it top 10 left wing group in the NHL and, and probably stiffing a little bit closer to that um, 6 5 4 range, if you know what I mean. I mean, you have two top 10 left wingers in the entire NHL on the same team. I mean, come on. It almost doesn't even matter all that much what's behind them, right? As long as it's a couple of, as long as it's a couple of warm bodies. If you got Carter and Ehlers out there, that's a top 10 left-wing unit in the NHL. I, I think, at the very least, you put the Jets into the Tier 2 or the outperform group, um, and they might be a little bit closer to the top tier than, than some of the other teams that are on this list. But I'm actually pretty bullish about the left-wing group, to be honest, because, you know, while Kyle Connor might not reach the level of production he did this past season, with I what I assume is going to be a decrease in minutes, maybe down to, to you know, 19 and a half minutes as opposed to almost 22 minutes a night. I think giving Nikolai Ehlers a few more minutes of ice time will only do wonders for his game and the rest of the team. But I think Morgan Barron can be a bit of a surprise for, for maybe people that aren't as familiar with him across the entire NHL. If you look at his jet splits, and his New York Rangers splits last season, it's it's almost like two completely different players. And I think, you know, whether he is the third-line left winger or the fourth-line left winger, I think Barron's going to be a, a pretty impactful player inside the bottom six for the Jets this upcoming season. Not totally sold on, on Jansen Harkins being somebody that the Jets can rely on on either the third or fourth line, but... I think with Morgan Barron and maybe you find a veteran off the scrap heap at some point in the middle or, or, or late August, if you can bring in somebody else to, to supplant Jensen Harkins, for example, to me, that's an easy, 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 easy tier two. And, and I think would be one of the better left wing units 
in the entire NHL, especially when you look at, at some of the t- like New Jersey and Toronto. Really, come on! Like I, I like Michael Bunting, but you're taking Bunting, Kerfoot, and Pierre Engvall over what the Winnipeg Jets. Come, come on, the, the Jets are a tier two left wing team. It's arguably, it's arguably the outside of goaltending. It's the deepest position. It's it's the most talented position the Jets have on their entire freaking roster. And I say debatably, I guess, there, because that brings us to our final and really most impactful and important and entertaining group. And that would be the centermen. And once again, like the left-wing group, the Jets find themselves in Tier 3 or the solid-to-average tier. Unlike the left-wing group, though, I don't think you can make the same argument and have the same level of optimism that the Jets should find themselves in a tier higher here. And that's because it's been impossible to ignore the regression in Mark Shifley's game, specifically defensively, the loss of, you know, Cop and or Stasny. There, there's a lot less depth on this team as there has been in years past. Dubois hasn't necessarily reached that next step just yet. And... While Adam Lowry has long held the mantle of fan favorite here to Winnipeg, production-wise, offensively as a third-line center, he hasn't performed at the same level as other third-line centers across the NHL over the last few years. Now, what's interesting when you look at the teams ahead of the Winnipeg Jets in the center tiers in, in both one and two, TSN has 13 teams. Am I reading that right? 12 teams. I can count. I can count up to 12. 12 teams that are ahead of the Winnipeg Jets when it comes to centerman talent. And it's it's interesting when you look at it through that perspective because Kevin Chevaldeoff has made it such a point of emphasis to have that one-two punch down the middle, to be so strong and dominant at the most important position, arguably, of any skater out there on the ice, that's been the Winnipeg Jets' goal for a number of years now. And and despite that, and despite trying to hold on to these, you know, specifically two assets that could be out the door in just over 12 months' time, it's interesting that despite all that effort, the Winnipeg Jets are just kind of middle of the pack when it comes to centermen in the NHL. And, and you could debate where they fit inside that third tier, but... I. You know, you look at the teams ahead of them in, in Tier 2, and, and really the only one that I, I think you could argue against would be San Jose being there. You know, to be I, I would probably take Winnipeg's group over San Jose's group. But at the same time, I mean, you have Kopitar and Deneau in L.A. You have Lindholm, Backlund, Monaghan in Calgary. You have Sebastian Ajo and company out there in Carolina. I mean, Jack Eichel in, in Vegas. JT Miller and Bo Horvat in Vancouver. There's a few teams in Tier 3 that I think you would comfortably still have ahead of Winnipeg right now. It's it's not the same as that left-handed or that left-wing group, right? The, the, the Jets centermen, despite all the effort that's been put into it, are, are probably just an average group right now in the NHL. And, and that's what stands out to me, honestly, from looking at these three separate articles here where the Jets get a Tier 3, a Tier 3, and a Tier 5. Even if you want to put an optimistic spin on it, 
and say bump the Jets up to tier two from the left wing side. You bump the Jets up to tier four on the right wing side. Man, at best, I think the Winnipeg Jets are looking at an average forward group across the entire NHL this season. I I, I don't know. And, and, and look, there's certainly a path for the Winnipeg Jets to have, at the very least, an above-average forward group this upcoming season. I, I get that. I'm not saying it's all negativity and, and this team isn't going to score goals this upcoming season, but a lot of things have to go their way, while maybe also having a few things go against some other teams in the NHL. But it's just a remarkable fall from grace, isn't it, from where this team was I mean, five seasons ago, but even three seasons ago, when you would look at the roster the Jets put together and you'd say, no doubt about a top 10 forward group, maybe even a top five, top three forward group in the entire NHL. That, that That's where they were just a few seasons ago to the point where they're at right now where, yeah, it's, it's probably just an average forward group. And two of those best, two of the four best players, three of the, say, six best players might be out the door sometime soon, and there's no real idea of where those replacements are going to come from. It's a little bit alarming, you have to admit. Even if you're optimistic about this Jets forward group, a little bit alarming that they're at the spot where they're at right now with a lot of uncertainty as to what this group is going to look like heading into, never mind this season, but the season after that and who could be lining up down the middle and all over the place still... Still a lot of intrigue when it comes to this Winnipeg Jets team. We'll see how it all plays. I mean, we'll worry about next season when next season comes. But I, I, I do wonder how many Jets fans out there would look at this forward group and, and come to the realization that, you know what? This is an average group. And this isn't the strength that this team can lean on in the same way that they have leaned on it in years past. Would love to know what you guys think about this. Again, hit me up on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewiki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. What your thoughts are on the positional ranking center, left wing, and right wing for the Winnipeg Jets across the NHL. But that's going to do it for this episode here. We'll call it quits right there. And we'll get back to it later on this week. But once again, thank you guys so much for stopping by and listening to another episode of Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Again, episodes come out every Tuesday and Friday morning. And we'll be back at it this week to close out the work week, hopefully with a few things to talk about, a few more moves other than just a Mason Appleton signing. Let's get a trade or two to, to bump up the juices a little bit. How about that? But until then, enjoy the rest of your week, guys. Have fun, stay safe, and we'll get right back to it on Friday morning. Until then, though, have a great one, everybody. Peace.